Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Grizzly's Brett Barry, and what a time to be a Wildcat fan. <laughs> on the field, on the court, things are going very, very well. Um, yeah, since we last did a show, Arizona men's basketball beat Duke on the road. Like, that happened. Arizona football went on the road and beat Colorado. That was nice. Women's basketball has won some games, too. So, yeah, I'm, like, other than the accounting at the University of Arizona. Like, athletics is doing really well. Yeah, it's a, it's a far cry from where we were a, a few years ago, Adam, if you, if you may recall. I don't like to. <laughs> yeah, I, it, uh, it's, I mean, Arizona men, men's team goes on the road and has one of the biggest road wins all time in the program. Arizona's ranked and beats another, you know, uh, beats another team uh, that, they didn't play their best, but they still won. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know the, I, I really want to kind of dive in on the the men's basketball game against yeah, yeah. Duke because uh, because that's we'll start that's there. A, We're going to get to football later. Arizona's win over Colorado on the game against Utah coming up, but we'll we'll start with men's basketball because, I mean, yeah, you could just you could choose either one and be right. So, yeah, but uh, you know it's hard to win on the road. It's hard to win on the road against a good team. And the thing that really jumped out to me from that game was Arizona, you know, everything we hoped and expected would come out of this roster in terms of, you know, a little more physically tough, uh, a a better defensive team, a more consistent defensive team, uh, and still able to be effective on offense, showed up in this game, right? And you know, we always say like defense travels, defense traveled in this game and it's early and, you know, you might expect maybe, maybe the defense is ahead of the offense in, in most teams right now. If you have the, if you have the horses, I should, I should asterisk that with, but what an impressive win, you know, that's, that, that doesn't happen very often. And they looked awfully good doing it. Caleb Love had a mediocre at best offensive game and was still a really critical player in that game for yeah, example it was, right it wasn't like arizona came out and played such an amazing game like wow that can't be done again like they just were shooting lights out everything was going well they did some things wrong and of course arizona's won another game since and they beat southern university but obviously yeah you should beat southern university in convincing fashion they got to a slow start but turned it on in the second half of the first half and then throughout the rest of the game but the Duke game specifically, Arizona, if I saw, if I remember right, I think Arizona led for like, was led or tied for 37 minutes of the 40. Like, they dominated the game without, like, obviously pulling away and making it a blowout, which I wouldn't expect them to do at Duke. But to your point, Brett, like, what we were hoping to see from Arizona, they've only played a few games now. And this was just one game among the 30 something they're going to play this season, right? It might be the best non conference win for anybody this year might be the best road win for anyone because it was number two Duke and we don't know how they're going to finish where they're going to be but they're they're a good team but how Arizona won this game with Kashad Johnson being everything that we hoped he would be and more 
right? With Umar Balo being that physical presence down low, with Kylan Boswell stepping up, I was curious to see how he would play as a starting point guard in this game. He was one of the best players on the floor, if not the best player on the floor. Pell Larson is kind of sliding into that, not the focal point role, but that very, really good role player. And yeah, you mentioned Caleb Love. He only shot three of 10, had that banked in three before the end of the first half. But then he also had six turnovers, but he had big assists. He hit the big free throws. He was a type of player who you could see wants the ball late in the game, which Arizona didn't have that last year. They didn't have guys that you could say, okay, you're gonna, I want you to have the ball and go to the free throw line. Right? I mean, even like Kashad Johnson made his free throws. Boswell, you know, Pellarson. Arizona made their free throws to win this game. And it was such a, it was such a mature performance from the Wildcats in their second regular season game of the season in a tough environment. I think that's the thing that excited me the most about it. It's not a great, it's not an easy place to win the game on the road. And it was like, they got down late in the game. Like the last minute they were down. Like they had coughed up the lead and it would have been very easy to see like, okay, well, Duke's at home. They're going to get their Duke whistles, whatever. You gave it a good run. You're not supposed to win this game. And Arizona battled back. They made the plays. They were calm, right? There was a calmness to their play in the final minute. We're just get the job done. And maybe that's the veteran leadership. Maybe that's Kashad Johnson having been to the national championship game. You know, maybe that's Caleb Love having been in that situation before. Like, maybe that's what the difference is for them this year. At least it was in that game. But, yeah, very exciting start to the men's basketball season. That game, of course, being the main reason why we feel that way. Yeah, Kashad Johnson, you know, kind of did what I, you know, I was saying in the last week or two that he's kind of Sean Marion and reincarnate where he's going to be the guy that, doesn't have a play called for him and ends up scoring a bunch of points. He was the leading scorer. And they didn't run one play for him. Well, look at the balance in help. that game. Kishad Johnson had 14, Balo 13, Boswell oh, yeah. 12, Pella Larson 12, Caleb Love 11. Like, that's beautiful. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Arizona had 17 turnovers. They weren't great in that game, but they were better on the glass. They were dominating on the glass, especially in the first half, getting those offensive rebounds. They made their free throws late when they needed to. They did what it takes to win a basketball game, and they didn't do it with some superhuman effort from anyone. They didn't do it from, you know, Colin Boswell hitting six threes in this game. Like, those are ways you can pull off upsets. That's not this. They won because they were the better team and made plays down the stretch in clutch time. Not just in clutch time. I think they played, you know, they made plays throughout the game. Like, the, the guys that jump out, to me, uh, in terms of maybe slightly or significantly exceeding expectations. You know, Kashad Johnson was kind of what I thought he was going to be. Kylan Boswell was even more than what I expected. Mm-hmm. I had pretty high expectations for him. He looked like the alpha on that court and made all the people that thought that he was going to be on the bench, you know, <laughs> nationally that weren't paying attention. Right. Uh, also, did you know that he's now 18 years old? Adam? See, I, I assume that's what happened after he was 17, but, you know, it's <laughs> good to get confirmation. And, like, kind of similarly, Pella Larson, I think, played at or above my relatively high expectations. But, the, you know, the, the, the other guy that really jumped out to me was uh, was Krivas. Yes. Like, I was looking at, the, I was looking at the, the, the box score, and I'm like, oh, man, he only played 12 minutes. It felt like he was a very significant presence in that game, and he wasn't even on there barely more than a quarter of the game. Had six on the rebounds floor, right? in 12 minutes, altered shots, had one block out of steel, had six points. If he could have made a couple more close shots, like him and Balo each missed some, I don't want to say bunnies because there's defenders there, but shots that you would expect them to make more often than not. No, like Arizona won this game because they were the better team on the floor, and it wasn't anything fluky about that. Now, mm-hmm. does that mean Arizona's not going to have games where they play bad and lose? No, they're not going undefeated this season. You know, they're not that much better than everyone else, but everything that you needed to see from them, you wanted to see from them, that athleticism you're talking about, that physicality, that depth, 
at least early in the season, they have it. And it's what you were hoping to see because, like, what they didn't have last season. Like, two years ago, they didn't have the experience. They weren't tested in the tournament. That's part of the reason why I think they ended up losing to Houston. It was just a bad matchup, too. Like, they were a more physical team, Houston was. Last season, Arizona didn't have the athleticism or the physicality. It looks like they have both of those things now. And then they have the depth where Umar Balo can play 25 minutes in a game, and you're going to win because you have quality size. And this isn't without Henry Vesar, right? He's out with an injury. We thought mm-hmm. he was going to be the guy. Krivas coming in, if he's ready to play right now, this team's ceiling, maybe not the ceiling, but the floor is that much higher. K.J. Lewis as a true freshman coming in, being a physical player, an athletic player at a guard spot. Huge. So like, I know we were both, we didn't do an official preview show, Brad, because we just football, playing football. But I, I feel like everything we've talked about before about this team, what we were hoping they would be, what we think Tommy Lloyd was going for, it looks to be the case. Are there things they need to get better at? Yes. Like Jaden Bradley can get more consistency. The turnovers need to be cut down. But I would expect things like turnovers to kind of simmer down a little bit when this team plays more games with each other. So, yeah, everything about that win and everything about their start to the season, they're ranked number three in the country, seems not just repeatable, but like they could build on that with no problem. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, was, I was just looking through the stats. Like You don't accidentally out-rebound Duke by 12. Right, forty-five to thirty-three. That's pretty damn good. There, that defense was, you know, damn near elite. If, uh, if not uh, at least pretty darn stifling to a pretty talented and well-coached Duke team. Uh, you know, the the athleticism is palp- the difference between this year's roster and last year's roster is palpable, mm-hmm. and that that I think raises both that floor and the ceiling especially when it comes to March and especially when you're going to go, you know, everyone knows how much we love our PAC 12 refs and all that, but you know, they, they, when, when they start, I'll actually be curious once we go into, into PAC 12 play, if this physical athletic team gets whistled for a lot of fouls and they regress a little bit, but it's, these are the kind of games that prepare you for March when a good official, you know, oftentimes the best call is a no call kind of situation. I'm I'm real curious to see, but it, it to your point, it does feel really repeatable. As as the season goes on, obviously our perspective may change, but I wonder if there's a mentality of watching them, right? Because like they're expected to be pretty dang good this year, right? Like I don't know, people are saying they were ranked top fifteen to start the season, ranked twelfth to start the season. There's a there's an expectation that this is one of the best teams in the country. Two years ago that wasn't the case when they were one of the best teams in the country. So it was pretty cool to watch them go through that. So like, okay, like, yeah, this is this is happening. Last season, they weren't supposed to be that great. People thought, oh, they lost too much. We'll see what they're going to say. Okay, you know, this is happening. I wonder if this season, more than the other two, I mean, I think so anyway, is going to be played with that overhanging, that cloud of like, okay, this is great what you're doing in the regular season, but what happens in March? Because of the previous two years and that disappointment, especially last season, it's like, yeah, there's never a bad time to beat Duke. Like, when Duke loses, America wins. We all know that. But... And it's a great win, and it's like you don't want to lose sight of the journey or lose focus on the journey because of what you're hoping is a destination, right? Like you don't – if Arizona loses in the Elite Eight this year, it doesn't take away that they went on the road and beat Duke early in the season. But right. is it going to be hard for people to be like, okay, yeah, this team is – they could be ranked third. Great. Like, like that, that's cool. It's November, and we care about March. Is there – do you think that might be something that kind of follows this team, like fair or not? I, I think – what is the most likely scenario is the unfair inverse of what the last few years have been, where Arizona now has early, very high expectations, and then 
they're more likely to have people doubt them because, you know, with this non-conference schedule, it's going to be like, well, they've lost seven games by the time March rolls around. And it's like, okay, but those games are like, you know, Michigan State. Like, what if they or, don't lose to Michigan State? They probably should be well, able but, to beat Michigan State. <laughs> or, well, it's it's just, it's it, there's there's the, I, I understand the perspective of like, you know, Arizona hasn't been to a Final Four in 20 years, and that's fact-check true. Well, right? they were a one seed um, two years ago, a two seed last season, and also didn't make a Final Four. Yeah, but they went to the Sweet 16 and won, and then, yeah, last year was a flame-out, but also, like, it's a different it's a different roster. It's a, You know, at some point, people are ascribing a little too much to the, the uniform than the, than the program, because, like, this isn't the Sean Miller teams, this is the Tommy Lloyd teams. Now, Tommy Lloyd has two years, two great regular seasons, and two bad marches. Mm-hmm. A fair criticism, right? But also, he was ahead of schedule, which maybe put too high of expectations, because I think if you looked at, if in the preseason you said they are going to perform as they did and flame out and march as they did, people would have been like, yeah, it's about right for what I think this roster would do. Like, this is a uh, Sweet 16 this, team, or this is a... You know, a yeah, it's, it's going to be a tournament yeah. team. It's going to be a tournament team that could get beat early because they they lack a few, you know, some athleticism or some toughness kind of thing. And like, it's it, it's 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 the challenge for Arizona basketball is there's always going to be the takes from the the peanut seats and the people that watch two games a year. And now the inverse is going to be true where that's on national TV, you know, on ESPN's chosen team. America may win when Duke loses, but ESPN does not. Uh, you know, it's so it's it's now there's a there's an expectation set for them that (laughs) prepare yourself Arizona fans every time they lose people are gonna be like oh well this is why I can't believe in this team until March which is kind of a silly argument and like you want to you want to see how they look and how they're developing more than even the win loss win loss record okay I would like them to win um and part of it is just (laughs) maybe I'm reminding myself I don't care what other people think about this program uh, I just want them to be successful in the game uh, that they are about to play, and of course in March. And I I agree with that. Like I do. I mean I I feel like this comes with age as well as being a sports fan. Like yes, the NCAA tournament matters, and I want to see them make a final four. I want to see them win a national championship. If they want to do it this season when the games, you know, in Glendale in Arizona, that'd be even better. Like that'd be fun. But it doesn't mean this regular season can't be enjoyable too. And I do think. Like, we always talk about that, just watching how they develop, watch how they improve. I think there might be a little bit less of that with this team because there's so much proven talent, right? Like, yeah, seeing Colin Boswell be the starting point guard, the lead guard, that's different. But we've seen him last year. We all feel pretty good about that. Whereas Kashad Johnson, he's somewhat of a proven player. Caleb Loves, Caleb is a proven player. Umar Ballo is a proven player. Pella Larson, we know what he is, right? So there's a few guys, yeah, KJ Lewis or Philly B or Crevis, you know, Paulius. Like, if some of these new guys, Jaden Bradley, come in and play better, great like they're going to develop but the core of this team the starters for this team the top you know six seven guys are pretty well established in terms of like what we think they are and what they can be so a lot of this season is probably going to be like okay just keep rolling you know stay healthy get into that groove figure out your specific roles but otherwise we know the talent is there we know they have the size we know they have the athleticism it looks like they have decent enough shooting as well like they're not lacking anything that you need to win in march and conversely, they think they have, like, in spades what you need to win in March. Like, their guard play especially looks just immensely better than it has been the last couple of seasons just because they have guys who want the ball, who will take the ball in those late situations, drive to the buck. Even Jaden Bradley, he's not to a great start, but he takes it to the hole, right? Like, they have guys yeah. who will do that, which they didn't before. So, like, I, I do think a win against Duke 
kind of sets the table like, okay, yeah, they're, they're for real. I forget which game it was like two years ago, I think when they went to Vegas and won that tournament, you know, and they beat Michigan and they beat, I forget who else they beat in that tournament. It's like, okay, serve notice, you know, this Ben Matherin team is, is good. Like when they just want to just dominate all those teams with Coloco and Matherin and Dale and Dale, you're like, okay, there's something here. Last season, it might have been like the Indiana game or some of those other early ones. Like, okay, they got something going here too. This team, I mean, that might have already happened. Like, okay, yeah, they beat, they went on the road to Cameron Indoor and they beat Duke. Like, they're for real. This is a one of the top ten basketball teams in the country. Now it's just getting to the point where they can prove it, you know, in the tournament, which is a. I'd rather be the fan of the team who's ranked number three in the country than not. But it does make the whole regular season kind of like a, all right, yeah, I want to win the Pac-12. That'd be great. You know, I want to beat UCLA. I want to beat Oregon. want to crush ASU twice. But but I want them to win in the NCAA tournament. So it doesn't mean you can't enjoy what they're doing. You can't enjoy the regular season. But it does put a, an asterisk or a, yeah, but, along with everything they do between now and March. Well, it's it's also not an either-or proposition, true, which, true. Is where the, which is where the dumb, like, you know, early season take things are and people are arguing and then like, you know, some people will be like, well, they could go, you know, 29 and one with this hard schedule and I won't believe it unless they make the final four. Like right. that's also an equally stupid take. Like the, the beauty of March is that it's hard. And, you know, if, again, if Jamel's horns three rattles in instead of out, God, it looked like it was online. You know, there's a couple, or those Wisconsin elite eight Sam losses. Sam Decker doesn't go Steph yeah. Curry. Yeah. Well, and, and those and those those years, those seeds, those those seedings were wrong. That should have been a Final Four matchup, and it would have sucked. But it would have been a Final Four, and you just take they away the banner. There would never be that. They haven't made the Final Four since. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's and so like Arizona fans just need to prepare themselves for that nonsense take that's going to come from a lot of people with every win or loss because they just haven't made a Final Four in over 20 years. Uh, like but this also specific that team has never had a chance to make a Final yeah, Four. Yeah, and that, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I mean, there's a big turnover even. This is not the same team as last year, right? And, and, and it's and like... <laughs> is there, like, any reason to think that this team could not, like, will not... I mean, other than the fact that only four teams make a Final Four, right? Like, odds are not with them. But is there any reason to look at this team and what we've seen and what we think of them and know of them to say, yeah, this team can't do it? So, like, I don't the game. I think the answer is no. But go ahead. Sorry. I mean, bef- before the Duke game, I had a sneaking suspicion, but I was trying to bridle my optimism a little bit to be like, I think this team's ceiling is really, really high. Yeah. And I like the way they're built in terms of the toughness, where it raises the floor to the point where you, you know, you always take the field versus your team to make like the final four to win the championship because that's just reality right like the best team in the country has at any given moment what a less than 15 percent chance of making the final four um that game made made me be more unbridled optimist for this team i'm not saying they're not going to lose games along the way i'm not saying that it's a guarantee they're going to make a final four but i think it is clear they are a legitimate final four favorite you heard it here first brett barry's a coward he's not predicting a final four an undefeated season (laughs) <laughs> but, but right but i i agree with you in that there are certain things and i mean it's early but like a lot of times like last season was always like okay i want to see things from them to make me think they can make it this far they can make a final four like it's not there early but like okay maybe they can grow it maybe they'll learn it. they'll pick this up right that cohesion or whatever it is this team right out the gate shows that it has what you need doesn't mean it'll happen but 
the things that could have been weaknesses. Like, is it possible that Colin Boswell, with the minutes as a now 18-year-old that he's gotten older, you know, maybe those that extra wear and tear on him that he can't handle being the starting point guard for this team for the entire season and play at a high level? I guess. But that's, that's, a, that's a but that's a stretch. Take. No, that's what I mean. Like, there's certain things like, yes, like there's guys like Kashad Johnson, when he play like this, why wouldn't he play like this? With a system that he's in and his athleticism and what they have. Like Caleb Love will probably shoot better than thirty three percent. He might get to thirty five percent. I don't know. But like there's there's certain things on this team like, yeah, like you're not you don't it's not like show me you can do this and then I'll believe. It's yeah. okay, just keep doing what you're doing and I believe because everything they've done up to this point, everything we think they can do says final four caliber. Well, you know, both preseason and even since the Duke win, I've heard some takes where it's what happens when Arizona gets to the half-court offense. I have concerns because now suddenly Azulis Tubelis wasn't a system guy. That yeah. that was the complaint before. And now it's like, well, Tubelis isn't there, so where's the offense going to come from? And it's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, part of, A fundamental problem last year was there you hit on earlier that there weren't guys on the perimeter that were even wanting to look for a shot at the end in the Princeton game. And then you can't, you know, if if you need somebody to be able to get a shot up and create the shot, Caleb Love will do that. Kylan Boswell can do that. And he's will, they're both willing to. Is it going to be the world's highest percentage shot? No, but, you know. Pella Larson you, can do it, too. And now he's like the third option, which is great. Well, and. Because Sean Johnson, the, the winning play against Duke was a Caleb Love when he pulled the defender to him in the lane and he dumped mm-hmm. it off to Kashad Johnson who made a not an easy shot and then made his free throw right those are two of the pickups two of the new guys this season made what ended up being the winning play in that game they didn't have that last year they didn't have the guy who would drive to the lane to pull the defender and they didn't have the guy who would finish like that who had the athleticism to do that they had Umar Balo and Tubelis down low that was it and neither one of them I, th- I mean I guess Tubelis could make a shot like that but like just it just shows the, I don't say growth of the team, it's not like they've grown this season, just the way it's been built, the players that they were able to add seem to be perfect fits for what they needed to take that next step. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny, like sometimes I feel like people are trying to ascribe NBA basketball to a Tommy Lloyd college basketball team where it's like, it's not just hand the ball to Kevin Durant or whoever and be like, go score. Like that's not how college, that's just not how college basketball is. That's not how Tommy Lloyd operates. And even in your point there, like Kashad Johnson was that play wasn't drawn up for him. It was just through the the nature of the play, mm-hmm. right? And like Jaden Bradley is a guy that is we we've talked about since the commitment date. He's a guy that's a, a driving slasher. Uh, he's it's I don't know. It's it's I think and also you know some of the people are going to be concerned about the offense. They scored seventy eight points on the road at Duke, guys, and they scored. 116 against some piece of crap team last week and 97 against Southern. Like, I think at some point people are just trying to backfill an argument for, well, they haven't been to a final four in 22 years. Well, you so. also, I mean, Arizona fans aren't going to want to get so high on them because it's hard. You know, we, we, we've been hurt. You know? Well, yeah, but, but that's, that's the, that's the beauty and pain of college basketball. The best right? teams rarely make the final four, but just, if you're looking at this team, like the optimi- like what did, if you're saying optimistically this is what happens because Shaw Johnson shows more offense in a system that's not San Diego State. Colin Boswell has to take the lead guard spot and run with it. He has to be ready for that role. Caleb Love plays within the system, doesn't go hero ball, doesn't just become a chucker. You know, Umar Bala doesn't regress from what he was before. Like All these things, Pell Larson is good with his role without Kirk Reese and his buddy there. 
all these were like the if this happens, you know, they need another backup big. It was like be Krivas or Vesar, but someone has to be able to come off the bench and play 15 minutes a game. You know, maybe another guard. All these things that were that if this happens, they'll be they could be pretty dang good. I mean, it's only a few games into the season, but they've all happened. And does that mm-hmm. mean they're going to happen all season? No. But there's no reason to think that if they're happening now that they won't happen two months from now, three months from now, right? Like someone like Caleb Love will get more comfortable. Kashad Johnson will get more comfortable. Or as teams start focusing their defense, maybe their attention on a Kashad Johnson, that things open up for Umar Balo or for Love or Pella Larson. Like there just seems to be so many different ways that this team can attack you. And I don't think they have an obvious weakness. Like are they a great three-point shooting team? They haven't shown that, but they have guys who can make three-pointers. They're not a bad three-point shooting team. Like They seem to be a pretty decent free-throw shooting team. They can rebound. Just turnovers are the one thing so far, and that should be the easiest thing to fix, I would think. So, like, I just don't see... This isn't a show-me-you-can-win-a-title. You know, show-me-you-have-what-it-takes-to-win-a-title. This is a you-have-what-it-takes-to-win-a-title. Just get there and win a title. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, and even, and even that, like, I think they are one of the four highest likelihood teams to make the final four. Yeah. And guess what? That still means it's like a less than 15% chance that they're going to make the final four. Uh, But you know, that's how that's the beauty of college basketball. The teams are going to change. They're going to grow. These guys, it's a new roster learning to play with each other. And why I think turnovers could be a thing and can be cut back on. Yeah. But you got, you got essentially three point guards in there that I think that as they figure it out, they'll work well together. And, you know, consider the alternative as we record on November 16th. And as I looked at the score for the ASU-UMass Lowell game where ASU was losing at nine by nine at home at halftime to UMass Lowell. You like, hate to see it. I just felt the need to insert that because I thought it was hilarious. This is uh, Yeah, at the time of the game, we'll see where that goes. But no, it's, it's good to be, obviously, Arizona's basketball, men's basketball. They're going to have some tough games. Duke was one of them. They play Belmont on Friday. UT Arlington on the 19th on Sunday, and then November 23rd on Thanksgiving, they get Michigan State in California. And then, of course, Wisconsin December 9th at the McHale Center. <laughs> Wisconsin. But like, they're going to have some good, tough games. And like, this is the right schedule to have when you're trying to prepare yourself for March Madness. You know, their resume wins, they're learning games, and yeah. So, and if Arizona's as good as we think they are and as good as they've looked so far, they should probably win all these games. <laughs> they should beat Wisconsin. They should beat Michigan State. They should beat Alabama on the you know in December. I mean Purdue will be a fun game. You know, number two Purdue. But like it's this team looks worthy of this schedule. And that's exciting. Yeah. It's just just enjoy the ride. Block out the commentary and don't freak out if they lose the game here or there. Fair enough. But Brett, let's take a break and we come back. Moving to football. Because Arizona football went on the road. They beat Colorado. The winning streak continues. The ranking keeps moving up. And we have to talk about it because, like, how could we not? We're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. And, yeah, Brett, Arizona football went to Colorado in a game that, like, Arizona was better. They were favored to win this game. And kind of like the last time they were favored to win a game, they didn't play well, but they won anyway. 34-31. Um, yeah, it was it was as close as the score would indicate. It took a last-second field goal to win, but Arizona did not play their best game and still went on the road and beat what was an overrated team, but is now just a scrappy, talented enough to beat you team. But hey, like that, you're not always going to play your best. To be able to go on the road and win a game where you didn't is a good sign, and you love to see it. Yeah, Colorado is having the you know t- we're talking about the narratives. They're 
actually having what the reasonable fan would have said, what a great turnaround for them this year season. Uh, and they're, and they're a tough out, right? Um, and Arizona did not play their best game. The first half was maybe Noah Fita's worst half of the season uh, that he's played. I think it's probably safe to say I can't, even though he didn't turn the ball over. That, he that's looked... what I was going to say. Like, I think he showed his floor in that, in this game in that he just wasn't completing passes. And without knowing that's like their first series where, you know, he threw the ball away, took a sack, you know, whatever. We don't know if he was missing guys. Well, I think Jed Fish said after he was like, there were a couple throws they had maybe that he just didn't see or didn't make pull the trigger on. But if his worst half is like eight of 18 completions, you know, leading the team to like 17 points or whatever it was, you could do worse. But anyway, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, well, and this is a game where, if I'm not mistaken, the only time the Arizona Wildcats led this game was uh, as the clock with when the clock had expired, right? Like they were losing or tied the entire game until, you know, the nonsensical not a touchdown for was it MLC that caught that pass? I think and where then... everyone in the stadium wanted it to be a touchdown except for the refs. When Arizona wanted a touchdown, Colorado wanted them to score the touchdown. The refs was like, "Nah, you're down at the one." So he definitely scored, but it worked out okay. Yeah, they they blew the whistle a little bit early. The refereeing was not particularly good in this game. Yeah, hey, so you it's, know we're used to that. You know, if uh, you know, it's it's if you if, if you can't love me at my worst, you can't love me at my best. I loved Arizona winning this when they were maybe at the worst we've seen them play this year, aside from. And we say that first quarter, we say of that state, and they scored thirty four points. It was one of their highest point totals of the season. <laughs> well. <laughs> Let me introduce you to Mr. Jonah Coleman. Right, well, and that's what it comes down to, is that the things that Arizona needs to do to win games like this, run the ball and get some stops. The defense wasn't great early on, but it was better in the second half, right? The first half, I mean, it was obviously a tale of two halves. Arizona was outscored 24-17 in the first half and outscored them 17-7 in the second and got those stops at the end, even to get the last drive. Like, field position was the big thing early in this game. Colorado's punting was terrific. <laughs> I mean, it's like, hey, you're forced to punt, and you're starting your drive at the two. Congratulations for your efforts. <laughs> but the thing about Arizona that was nice about this, and maybe it helps that Colorado's not that good, but that Arizona, even in not playing well, never got down by more than a score. And they had a couple opportunities, I think, in the second half, where it's like, okay, they had the ball tied or whatever it was and could not get the score, could not take the lead. But they just stayed with it. And when you keep that, and you are the better team, you're going to you make that play. You get the team Mac touchdown, the one-handed one. You get another DJ Williams touchdown. You put that drive together. Then you get a stop and go score one more time. Like That's what good teams do. Really good teams do stuff like that. We haven't seen that in Tucson for years where they can win a game without having to score 45 points in a shootout. Like They didn't play a bad overall game. Just it wasn't a complete game for Arizona. They didn't play 60 minutes of good football. Like the defense played about 35. The offense maybe played 40. But regardless, they did just enough to win this game by relying on Jonah Coleman, who's just a monster. By DJ Williams in the red zone with a couple of runs. The offensive line was making huge holes. Troy McMillan, good Lord. Like he's ridiculously talented and makes life a lot easier for Fafita. But MLC had a good game, right? Like they their best players made plays. But it just wasn't it wasn't as pretty as you'd like, but wins are wins, and you take them however you can get them. Yeah, I mean, it's an important thing to note that there were no turnovers in this game uh, for Arizona on offense, but nor did they force them. 
But, you know, the the thing that I don't even, you know, I'm looking at the stats and I'm not even quite sure I fully appreciate it. And maybe some of this is to Colorado's line problems. You know, they only had 77 rushing yards and their leading rusher was Shador Sanders. Yeah, they don't right? really run the ball much. They don't they don't pass block. Well, that's why only three sacks of Sanders kind of like what? But he, he was very elusive in this game. Yeah, I, I mean, we watched the game together. There's a lot I of was... pressure where they didn't get it to him, but they still put pressure on him. And I... It's not an excuse, but it's a it's a reason. I think Arizona looked slow to start the game because I don't I just don't think they're used to the early game earlier start times, and they seem to be moving quicker off the ball off the snap later in the game. Yeah, and that concerns me for you know what is looking like the last two games being day games that are against better teams, and if that that same pattern holds true, they're gonna they're gonna lose at least one of them, right? Like you can't you can't spot Utah that first quarter like you did to Colorado. Probably not. Um, but at the end of the day, Arizona still, you know, had to, they, they controlled the game on the ground. And that's, that's a generally, and you didn't turn the ball over. That's generally a recipe for winning football. Uh, also, Tyler Loop hitting, mm-hmm. you know, the, the long field goal, not, uh, not, not just the game winning field goal, the, the 52 yarder, yarder mm-hmm. uh, you know, taking advantage of the, the thinner air up there. Uh, but if you don't, if you control the game on the ground, um, you're going to win a lot of games if you don't turn it over. I wasn't in love with, I, I'm not sure what the strategy was on. This is the first time on defense. I wasn't sure if the, the game plan they had was the right one or one that was working because it's, they weren't getting the pressure against a bad O line. And maybe some of that was the day game thing. And people were just a half step slow with trying to rush three or four, but like, Sanders was too comfortable for too much of that game, uh, especially for somebody that was injured. This was the first time I, uh, in a number in a while that I did not like the defensive game plan, and especially they didn't, they started to get a bit more, but I don't know if it was a, adjustments to the game plan or just, they woke up <laughs> yeah, either way, but um, even then, like they gave seven points in the second half <laughs> and got all those stops. Right. So it's, I mean, it just was like, I think, and this, this goes for me especially, but I imagine a lot of people are probably similar is that how many times has Arizona played the role of Colorado in this game? And what I mean is good teams win like this all the time, especially on the road, where you, the good team leaves that game saying, man, like that was not like they didn't play well, but they didn't turn the ball over. They got just enough and they won the game and they move on to the next one. That's just normal, right? But for Arizona, it's yeah. not. Like how many times has Arizona been the team like, like Colorado? You're like, man, we probably should have won that game. You know, if it wasn't for this one play, this one turnover, this one missed field goal, like they missed a field goal that led to Arizona's game-winning drive. Like it was always Arizona doing that one, making that one mistake or having that one miscue, that penalty, that turnover, that sack, you know, that cost them the game. So it's just different being on the other side of that, knowing that, okay, this, yeah, this is what good teams do. They don't always win by three touchdowns. They don't always play their best, especially on the road, but they win. I mean, think of Washington maybe at Arizona this season when Arizona ended up losing by the one mm-hmm. touchdown. Like, Fafita had an interception that game, right? Like, one turnover. Arizona lost by one score. Doesn't mean they would have won the game. But you think Washington fans were leaving that game saying, yeah, we're great. I mean, they probably were because they are good. But, you know, it's like just good teams don't always win the way that makes you feel like, yep, they are good. But they are good because they were able to win that way. And that's where Arizona is right now. Like, they can win like this. It's normal. It's fine. Well, I'll take that even a step further. Like Jonah Coleman's running off these crazy, you know, bowling over guys, not getting tackled. T Mac is has 107 yards on nine catches, one-handed catches for touchdown, and we're just like, 
yeah, we knew that was going to happen. That's who these guys are, and that's how a good team feels about the like. They know like, their guys are going to make the plays to need it to win. Exactly, and it's 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 a you know we said we're, we're an honest to god football program right now, um, and this is what this is what it looks like, right? You know the the O line open holes and Jonah Coleman just plows through them and runs guys over because he's a bowling ball out there. Yeah. And that and that's just it takes some time getting used to, and I don't know if we'll ever get used to it this season. Hopefully, it continues on into next season of the season after and this becomes the norm. But we're just so used to, I think, Arizona fans especially, just knowing that okay, if they're going to win this game, they got to play their best. You know, they can't turn the ball over, they can't commit penalties, they can't you know do all. Granted, they didn't turn the ball over, and it wasn't a highly penalized game for them. And yet, it was wholly uninspiring in so much that. Yeah, they probably should have beat Colorado by more than that. You know, they didn't play great in all facets of the game for all 60 minutes. Who cares? <laughs> it's one game. You move on to the next one. Like, it's one game. They've now won seven this season. And again, it was a road game. And I'd say the last true road game because they're home against Utah this week, and then the last game is on the road at ASU. But, you know, it's in, Ari- it's in Arizona, so I wouldn't call it, like, a true, true road game. And they won. Like, Fafita wasn't great. Like, the, if you want to be concerned, like, I'm on the Fafita train. Like, I, he deserves to be the starting quarterback, at least until he loses, right? <laughs> like, again, like, there's no reason. Like, I, I think I think they could win these games with Delora, but I, Fafita's the guy. He's QB1. The one question would be, like, he wasn't great. He hasn't been great the last few games. So is that an issue of teams figuring him out, him slowing down, or just things that happen to a true freshman quarterback? And the way he bounced back in all these games, the way he played in the second half of this game, so much better. So... If you want to say, be worried about something, I guess that might be it. To say, oh, maybe their quarterback hasn't been as electric as he was a few weeks ago. But then again, he hadn't finished 21 to 35 for 214 yards, two touchdowns. Hey, that's plenty good enough. Well, I mean, this may be blasphemy to say as an Arizona fan and a fan of Noah Fafita, I'm not even sure electric. I think electric is overselling him. I just think he's a good player. Yeah, <laughs> like he, that's fair. He. He's he's not, you know, outmatching guys with his sheer strength or speed or arm strength. Like he's got he's enough just of a all really, of it. Yeah. Yeah, but he's he's just a really good player. A good a good quarterback, right? Like yeah, he makes, he, makes, there. he makes generally good decisions. He has enough arm strength and enough ability to run. He's a little undersized. Uh and the, you know, the players like like so that's what I'm saying, like electric i think is overstating what he is he's just a really good player that you can win a lot of games especially with. when you have a team mac when you have jacob cow yeah. you have jonah coleman you have the running game the skill position guys like we were talking with rob bowron i think a couple weeks ago it's like when you have this kind of skill position talent having a quarterback who can just get them the ball goes a long way and you know i i, I mean he's the guy like that's he's he's the quarterback of this team for this season and I would assume going into next season as well. But there is a level of comfort with him in that, yeah, Jonah Coleman can have time to go off for 179 yards on his 11 carries because they didn't turn the ball over, right? And when you have team back, I mean, that's that's awesome. He's, he's just, he was really good last year as a true freshman. He's turned into a monster this season. And maybe that's just natural progression that happens with a guy from the freshman to sophomore year or the coaching, the development of talent that happens on this team. Kevin Cummings, great wide receiver coach. But McMillan's a beast. <laughs> he, he's always yeah. open. He's that he's that receiver who's always open. If he's single covered, he's open. And I would think, and that's one thing I liked about Delora is I think he was more willing to kind of pull the trigger on some of those throws, whereas Fafita hasn't been. But I think Fafita is that way with T Mac. Like 
And you know, like there's NFL receivers that say if there's one, if they're single covered, they're open. Like you give them, you throw the ball their yeah. way because at worst it's an incomplete pass, but otherwise they're most likely coming down with it. That's who T Mac is right now, and what a luxury to have. Well, and speaking of luxury, one of their other star receivers, Jacob Cowing, went out during that game, and it was like concerning. He didn't even notice on the field performance. Like AJ Jones came because it wasn't even green because I guess he was hurt, but like they were fine. Yeah, MLC had one of his better games. AJ Jones got a couple of catches, got more play. Like Tanner Glock didn't uh, catch a ball this game, and their offense still scored thirty-four points. Yeah, it's it. It was one of those. Can can it, can it be a well? I mean, I know the answer to this, but can it be a beautiful, ugly win? I think that's what this was. I, mean, <laughs> and I would argue that all the ugly win, right? It's just yeah, exactly. Like, I knew did that's the, what we were gonna say. Did the win against Washington State look prettier? Yes. Did the win against UCLA look prettier? Yes. But if you ask Jed Fish, he'd probably call them all pretty. All seven of those wins are pretty. Like, yeah, I mean, it's he's, road win. He's not... It's hard to win on the road. Like we talk about Stanford game. Arizona only won twenty-one twenty. They defeated his first legitimate action of the season when Delora got hurt. It was ugly, but they won. And at that time, it's like they're three and one. We're like, oh, that was uninspiring, right? But this time, after you've won, guy on those last few wins, you're like, okay, that's. Like, it feels better because you know they're good. When they beat Stanford playing bad, you're like, oh, well, you know, that's Stanford. You're not going to be able to get away playing like that against better teams. Are you, in, you know, can you play better? The answer is yes, they can. And I guess a team like Colorado, they, I, mean, I don't know if they played as bad as they get against Stanford. I mean, it's kind of similar. It was clunky, especially early on. I, mean, I think Stanford's probably better defensively than Colorado. But similar style victory, yet beating Colorado feels so much better because we have the rest of the season as context. We know that it's not like, oh, you're no. lucky to win that game. It's like, yep, you won that game because you're good. Like, it feels different because it is different. Well, and Stanford beat Colorado at Colorado in overtime by three. But it's like, remember how you felt after that game? It was like, oh, that was a yeah. win against a bad team. And it made you wonder, like, <laughs> how good is Arizona? Well, they had an ugly win against a not good team in Colorado. And you don't feel like, oh, man, maybe Arizona's not that good. It's like, no, we know they're good. Like, they're a good football team. And good football teams win games like that. That's and that's where they're at, and they they have the depth, they have the the stars, they have the relatively good game planning. Maybe this game on defense, notwithstanding, like the offensive game plan generally worked. I think the where it struggled on offense was more Fafita missing guys in the first half um, than anything else. And on defense, I think that everyone was just a half step slow for a little while, and they were a little snoozy to start the game, um, which. That's not an excuse. They need to solve that or they're going to get punched in the mouth this coming weekend. Uh, but, you know, this, to your point, you know, I think it, it, it's a it's a very true – it's a true statement that a good team wins that game and finds a way to win. You know, winners win, right? They and this find team is ways this to team. win. And that's, and that's what this team has proven for over – you know, for most of the season now. Yeah. So you take that. You mentioned, Brett, the next game, like these sleepy starts wouldn't work out. So let's take a break and we come back. Arizona, ranked number 19 in the AP, number 70 in the college football playoff, is hosting number 16, Utah, at Arizona Stadium. It's a big game. It should be a fun game, and we'll talk about it. We're back. Wildcat Radio 2.0 in Arizona, Utah. Utah, of course, is the program Jed Fish has cited multiple times. This is like what he wants to get Arizona to, with good reason. The defending Pac-12 champs, like back-to-back Pac-12 champs. <sighs> what a... What a matchup. I mean, Utah just smoked Arizona last year <laughs> at Utah. True. Um, 
But I feel like Arizona's just gone back and forth between like being favored by like a point and a half to being underdogs by a point. But it's like pretty much an even matchup according to the odds makers because Arizona's good and Utah's good. Yeah, and you know Utah's defense is fantastic. Their offense is, eh. yeah, not so, having Cam Rising uh, apparently has been an issue for them. As Arizona fans can attest, uh, a, a, a stability and talent in the quarterback room can make quite the difference. Yes. <laughs> um, just you know, look at last year and this year versus the year before for Arizona. Um, you know, that being said, Utah did you know along the way destroy ASU fifty-five to three. So they found some ways to score points. But also the thing ASU. about Utah, and I wrote my preview for AZ Desert Swarm, and I have Utah winning this game. I think I'm just in that mode of like Arizona's not winning out, right? There's just no way they're going to lose a game, and I'd rather it be this one. <laughs> if they're going to have one more loss this season, let it be this one, or I guess the bowl game that I could live with that too, probably. But when I look at Utah, no, they're not as dominant as they've been in years past in the Pac-12, but their losses at number 19 Oregon State. First, number eight, Oregon. At number five, Washington, where they lost by seven points last weekend. Right? It's not like they've been losing to bad teams. And now, granted, Arizona's good. So, like, Arizona's a ranked team as well, just like Washington, just like Oregon, just like Oregon State, but also like USC, who Utah did beat. So, and UCLA at the time, who, granted, UCLA's not good, but they were ranked at the time. So, my point is that Utah may not look as dominant. Their offense certainly isn't as good, but they've beaten pretty much everyone they're supposed to beat. And their only losses are teams that you're like, yeah, well, those are like the best teams in the conference. So, like, they're good. They're probably where Arizona is, too. Like, I mean, Arizona, good, right? They're both seven-win teams because they beat the teams that, like, their upper-half conference teams who beat up on all the lower conference teams and have been iffy with the ones above them. That's pretty normal, but they're good. Yeah, this is... Yeah, this is... This has the potential to be one of the funnest matchups at Arizona Stadium this late in the season... That's not the territorial cup in a long time, yeah. right? Like when was when was the game? You know, the game in 2014 against ASU for the Pac-12 South. That was ended up being that's that the way, biggest yeah. one I can think of. Um, I I can't remember anything that's like something with you know real, you know, there's there's real potential on the line here. Uh, you know, Utah's a good team. Their defense is pretty darn great. Their offense is shown signs of improvement i guess the last few weeks uh even against washington you know they scored 28 points in the first half that's impressive mm-hmm. um it's man it's 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 gonna be a fun game and i'm not 100 percent sure what to expect usually i feel like i have a pretty good sense of how these things are gonna go and this week i'm i'm more i'm more at a loss for what the range of outcomes would be and that kind of is a fun thing when as a just thinking of it as a fan where you don't know what's going to happen going into it yeah i mean granted like i'm hoping next week i go into the game against asu like knowing arizona's going to win and then they do win that'll still be fun for me but Mm -hmm. now like this is hot take i don't don't know if there's a measuring stick this late in the season right we're not looking at arizona if they win this game what are they capable of like oh if they win this game they could win the pac-12 i mean yes depending on like they're still in the pac-12 race to win the conference but i'm not i'm still not counting on the things happening that they need i think they like oregon state has to beat oregon and then other things but it's not a measuring stick in terms of that way but it is kind of gonna be fun to see them play the program that they want to be that is ranked about where they are as like okay like i know arizona's for real no matter what happens in this game i know arizona is for real so is utah so at home like two years ago at home arizona was up on utah at halftime if i remember right it was a close game 
for most of it. Last year at Utah was dreadful. But I am curious just where Arizona is right now, this Arizona team. Because, like, yes, brothers and I have Arizona losing. So, like, I keep saying, like, they're not going to win out. They're just not, like, they're going to lose, right? Like, they're not that good. Well, maybe they are. Maybe they are that good. And this is a home game, and it's certainly winnable. So I think, and also I think part of me goes, like, if they, like, if I don't think they're going to win out, let them lose this game and win next week. And, and like, it, it's not, it doesn't have to be an either or. You can win both these games, right? I'm not, it's like, but if you had to pick one, I imagine most people are picking lose this week and win next week just because there's nothing that a win over Utah would do to erase a loss to ASU, not this year. But for this week specifically, it is such a fun match, for, like you said, because you don't know what's going to happen. And there's not the stress of, oh, if they lose this game, they're not making a bowl game. Or they lose this game, they're like, no, I mean, if they win this game and things go right, they have a chance for some really cool things. But if you take that away, it'd be cool if they win this game. But it's not like it doesn't define yeah. their season, winning or losing it. This game would be gravy if they won, right? Like, yeah. it's just it's just extra, right? And by the way, I was curious while you were talking to look up, uh, you know, th- this matchup. Uh, SP Plus, uh, so far this year is, is you know, the it, it was a Sports Illustrated article on this, and it is 298, 299, and 13 in its picks against the spread. Yeah. Has this game as a 28-27 game with it. <laughs> Utah having a 51% chance to win that came out, right? So that's the, the analytics are saying, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, but that's, that's Arizona at home. Uh, so, you know, m- maybe the model is, you know, what is it? Three points is usually what the home field advantage is generally worth. Uh, but it's, it's going to be a day game, but it's going to be a day game at home. It sounds like there's a chance of, you know, rain Saturday, uh, which is, which would be an interesting thing. Like I doubt it's going to be a downpour, but, does that help Utah slightly more than Arizona? Like these are the kind of things in a close matchup this late in the season against two good teams that might be the difference. Right. And that's, you know, it's just, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here now, Adam, this (laughs) we've come a long way, baby. (laughs) That's what I mean. Like next week, I care more about the result than I do this week. Not that I don't want Arizona to beat Utah because wins are good. Winning is fun. And beating a team like Utah would just be another feather in this season's cap and this team's cap. You know, especially because it's a home game and you want to win your games at Arizona Stadium. But what Arizona's done up to this point has made this game gravy. Like you said, like, I mean, as long as if they lose, as long as they come out of the game healthy, you know, I could live with that. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're allowed to have a stinker. They're allowed to lose a game as long as they're ready for next week. Because, you know, you can't lose to ASU, not this year. And ideally you beat them by 65 points, 64, 65 points, just, be, you know, for with, no particular with, reason. Without... Without throwing a pass. Oh, that would be delightful. Just Jonah Coleman runs for 600 yards. What if we combined the without throwing a pass and winning by more than 70 to 7 in the same game, Adam? Then we'd have to buy two billboards. I yeah, I would rather we take that money and put it towards NIL like a responsible person. <laughs> yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not. We could do that and the billboards. You know, it doesn't have to be either or. Yeah, the the uh, the, the the NIL collective should just say, "This is your virtual billboard. Give us money to pay players." <laughs> but of course, that game is next week. This week it is Utah, and I guess if you are hoping to see something, that's the thing. I don't know. Like Utah's a big physical team, 
and we think Arizona has been too, especially in the trenches the defensive line, if they don't get pushed around the defensive front, I mean, they haven't been. I don't ex- expect it to happen this this game, right? Like Washington didn't do it. USC didn't do it. Oregon State, UCLA didn't do it. So I have no reason to think Utah's going to be so much more physical than some of those teams. It's just, it's Utah, and you expect that of them. Mm-hmm. And then offensive line, Arizona's offensive line has been good, especially got Polito back. Like, that's a really good group. How do they hold up against a good defensive front? Well, UCLA had a good defensive front, and Arizona was able to figure them out enough. So it's like, I don't need to see Arizona do something against Utah to make me believe in them. Like, that's where it's like, I'd like them to win. I don't need them to win. Not this game. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you brought up what I was going to raise against this Utah defense in front with their size. Raven Polito coming back, and he played, I think, all or most of the game at Colorado. So he's getting, he's gotten more, because people forget, like, oh, he's going to be a starter. So they just assume that he's like a guy that can go and compete against NFL talent D linemen. Like, he hasn't played that much. Right. And so like getting those live snaps against against real D one talent is gonna pay off in this game, potentially, hopefully, as an Arizona fan. Um, because he is just a he is a very large human. If you have him and Wendell Moe pulling aggressively, that's how you are able to get turn a turn a three yard carry into a six yard carry, right? Like those are the things that help you win this game and it's it's man, it's gonna be it's going to be fun. And I just keep going back to, I have no idea what this is going to be. And I, I, I have a perfect prediction record going at him and I'm not confident in this one at all. <laughs> I missed on the UCLA game because I had them losing that one in preseason. So I stuck with it. Now I, it's cool to be looking at this game at this point of the season and not being sure which way it's going to go because it shows just how far Arizona has come. I don't think it says much about Utah. Utah is as good as they've been. Like they're a good team. Maybe they're not as good as they've been the last couple of seasons, but they're still, plenty good enough to win this game to go on the road and beat Arizona but that this is a team I forget what the score was in last year's game between these two teams but the fact that they're one season later from just that massacre uh, 45-20 and it wasn't even that close at Utah the fact that now that one year later it's like okay yeah it's at home it's in Tucson but it's a pick em. like it's a toss-up like that that's pretty sweet and it just shows how far Arizona's come and the changes that they make. We talked about in basketball what Tommy Lloyd did in the offseason to rebuild his roster and get what he needed to get this team to the next level. Jed Fish and his coaching staff obviously did the same thing from last year. Like, okay, what does this team need going into 2023 if it's going to compete at a higher level? And they did it. And here they are in the second to last week of the season with seven wins under their belt playing a ranked Utah team in what people are getting as a toss-up game. Like, it's what you want to see. Obviously, ideally, they're playing for the Pac-12 still. Like, that they would have one fewer loss. Maybe they would have beat UCL or USC. And it'd be like, oh, they could, if they went out, they're, you know, they're in the Pac-12 championship game. Like, that would be ideal. But short of that, this is what you, this is what you hope for. I mean, as much as I would love Arizona to be in the Pac-12 title game, I do not feel confident against them of, of them going against Oregon if that's how it played out. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I just don't. <laughs> I think Oregon I mean, is clearly didn't go the well last time they team. tried that. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I would. You know, for the happy vibes, maybe it's okay to not make the Pac-12 title game. Win out and still not make the Pac-12 title game. That's and enjoy your season. <laughs> I mean, I guess the. I mean, the, the crazy thing is, I mean, if they do win out. They could get to 10 wins this season. That is pretty nuts. Yeah. And that even, I mean, I don't know what their bowl game would be, but they should at least get to eight and maybe even nine. Like, that's that's awesome. Well, I mean, in, pre, in preseason, I thought that eight was not a, that was like a stretch goal. That if everything goes and, right. 
And like nine was like a magical season and we're pushing magical, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's where we're at. Um, and God, you just think back to a couple of those other, you know, go for two in the first overtime against USC, right? Or <laughs> I don't know, don't turn the ball over 11 billion times against Mississippi State. I mean, that way it helped them in the Pac-12 tournament or championship race, the Mississippi State game. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, like it's nice to look back at the season, like not be like, oh, if they would have just done this, they could have made a bowl game. It's like, oh, if they just could have done this, they would have been ranked 15th instead of 19th or 17th. <laughs> you know, like like the way they've grown from the team they were in September to where they are now is a testament to the talent on their roster and the coaching staff getting the most out of that talent. And that's why this game is meaningful against Utah because they they play their way into it being meaningful. Yeah. Well, on the, the flip side to this is, you know, you picked it to be uh, a loss for Arizona. Um, there is the, they've already gotten to bowl eligibility, right? That, that you know, there's not as much to play for, I guess. I don't know. I'm I'm basically vocalizing my inner monologue of w where my pick is going to be in this game. It sounds I'm like you're still not Utah. sure. Well, uh, like mine's on AZ Desert Swarm, but I have Utah 27-23. So, I'm not going to lie, Adam. Coming into this, I was going to pick a semi-bizarre score of 20-17, to 17, a low-scoring loss with Utah winning. And and part of me wants, to, part of me just wants to disagree with you, so we're not always agreeing on things. Um, I mean, you've been, you've gotten all your predictions right, correct? Correct. So, do it for Arizona. Pick the Wildcats. Don't do it because of me. Do it for them. You know, I, I appreciate your perspective, and I would like to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> um, it's a substack. <laughs> you know what? That 20-17 to 17 Utah-Arizona scoring a touchdown late. 24-20 Arizona. Let's go. I like it. I like it. Hopefully. I, I don't mind being wrong when I pick Arizona to lose. Um, really quick, Brett, we had, our, we had people ask us for our last segment here for a mailbag this week at Wildcat Radio AZ is our Twitter handle. I know we got a couple of couple of questions. I think we can finish up here. What do we got? Yeah. Do you want me to? They're, they're semi-related. Do you want me to combine these? I think we uh, probably can if they're related. Especially yeah. for especially for they're, they're, especially for the sake of brevity. Uh, so we have Lucky at Lucky Lindstrom says asks how concerned should we be about the potential financial issues facing U of A. Uh, in regards to keeping and paying coaches, I believe legally that's you, Arizona, lucky. Uh, and then common sense at disc player 13 uh, states slash asks, I'm very concerned about Jed Fish leaving now that he's achieved, achieved a huge degree of success in Tucson. So what can the U of A and or the community actually do to keep him for, for years to come? And how badly does this compare to the other offers he's very likely fielding? Yeah, they're, they're somewhat related. Like the first question, obviously, that big story in the news about Arizona underestimating or overestimating what they're going to have financially. Like, I think it's probably a worse headline than it is in reality, but I also don't know enough to really talk about that other than to say, in terms of like the sports that most people are thinking about, they're not going to be touched. Like Arizona, if they have to cut athletics, like what is it, like the Big 12, the teams average like tw 17 different programs, athletic programs, and Arizona has 23. Like, Arizona's not going to cut football. They're not going to cut either basketball or softball or baseball. So if there are cuts to the Arizona Athletic Department, 
It's not going to affect football. It's not going to affect the sports that most people care about. Doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. Doesn't mean it's not going to be painful for a lot of players and a lot of teams and coaches. But if you're thinking about it in those terms, I wouldn't worry too much. Yeah, so maybe this is me being Pollyanna-ish about the, the financial news. I, I think the headlines are probably overstating how bad it, the, the, the situation is. I think it's, it's uh, and both for the financial situation for the university as a whole and for retaining the coaching staff, I think the appropriate thing is to say, be concerned, but don't panic. Yeah. It, you know, and like part of me, there's a part of me that my, my gut is just telling me that Bobby Robbins is kind of strategically doing some of these things to try to like, you know, you know, to answer some of the, the you know, common sense's questions. Like as a fan, there's things you can, there's small things you can do. You can buy tickets, you can donate to the NIL collectives, you know, show up to the stadium and that, that helps, you know, the finances, but also shows Jed Fish and staff that, you know, this, the, that this fan base is going to support them and and make them make the program sustainable, um, and that's that. But that requires a lot of people en masse to be spending a you know a few extra hundred bucks here and there on nil and tickets, uh, you know to to double Jed Fish's salary like it may be required to keep him. You know that requires somebody else uh, a bigger name with a bigger wallet to open those things uh, or open the wallet a little bit. Um, but I think there's also other ways to make money, like make stadium naming rights, for example. I'm like shocked they like, haven't done that yet. Like they're just and so if they really desperately needed the money, there was I know they've talked about even like with the other budget shortfall, like different land they could lease out or sell or just there's there's ways to make the money. I think to some degree Robin just wanted to get out ahead of this in terms of like if they do make cuts to certain programs, be like, Oh well this is why we had to do that. You know, like we had to balance it and I'm sorry it it hurts. But I also have been reading something about like how many scholarships they give to people who probably don't deserve that kind of scholarship out of state one where they're spending a lot of money there. It's like there's like Arizona's not going to go bankrupt. They're not going to fold football or basketball or anything like that. It's just going to be some changes they're going to have to make to balance, and they should balance their budget. And it's weird to be like, oh, you're going to have to cut academics when you're giving sports all this money. But to the second question, like about Jed Fish keeping him, if he wants to leave, if there are certain jobs, I imagine that Arizona's nothing they can do, like if Michigan offered him or maybe Florida, places that he has a strong history to. I'm less worried about him going to like a UCLA or something like that. But eventually, it's like any coach, if they want to go somewhere else, you're not going to be able to stop them. No amount of money, no amount of winning is going to do that. The best thing you can do to keep Jed Fish long term is to win, to show that you can win in Tucson and win big. And yeah, there's always a chance that the bigger you win, the more likely it is that a Michigan or a Florida is going to come calling. That's just the price you pay for success if you're Arizona. Mm-hmm. Like as he wins, you try to pay him a salary that's, I mean, not going to be what some of those schools could pay him. But you pay him enough to show that you do appreciate him, that he can be comfortable because money goes a lot further in Tucson than it would in, say, like L.A. or some other cities. Mm-hmm. You give him as a, the assistant, the money, the budget for the assistance, and there's good NIL where he can just win, where he knows that he can win a championship. He can go to the Big 12 and be the premier program in that conference. You do that, and you make it to where he only leaves for the absolute perfect opportunity, not for the next opportunity. And as we've talked about before, it is a way better situation for other schools to pay you to poach your coach than you pay them $10 million to go away. Yes. That, yeah. that solves a lot of problems, yeah. you know, and, and, and also, you know, this is speculative on my part, but I think it's intelligent speculation. I don't think, uh, you know, a lot of Arizona's financial issues are related to some of the loans the schools got, uh, 
during COVID for the athletic programs when there were no ticket sales, Arizona was not the only school to face that. And they're not like my, my sense is that almost every school is going to have the similar financial concerns unless they literally have an unlimited donor pool. And then when it becomes to a finite, you know, if you're trying to keep your coach over other programs, when they're also having their own, you know, loans that from two years ago that they need to repay, that makes it a little harder. You know, it's not, it's 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 not just Arizona that's gonna, I, I would bet money that Arizona is not going to be the only program that continues to see financial challenges like some of the California schools already cut some sports uh, last year, if I recall. Um, hopefully Arizona doesn't have to. Uh, hopefully some donors pick up the slack, but, you know, we'll see. I Again, I think it's concerned, but don't panic. But also, I think. You know, we're going to find out how much Jed Fish likes building things and appreciates the fact that, you know, don't overlook that Bobby Robbins has been there on the sideline, giving him a high five and shaking his hand yeah. each of the last couple of games. That's I mean, not every if, school. If Fish wants to leave Tucson, he's going to leave Tucson. There's nothing that Arizona can do about that. But otherwise, in terms of his coaching career, he wants to win games. He wants to compete for championships. If, he's, if it's shown that he can do that in Tucson, then, like, he wouldn't have a reason to leave. And that's the key. And, like, he's always talking about fan support. And wanting to sell out the stadium, and I do think that better opponents and better start times would help with that. But just show up. Show that Tucson can be a football school because he's proving to be a high-end football coach. Give him a reason to stay. Or at least don't give him a reason to leave, and I don't think Arizona's going to do that. So, again, if he wants to leave, if the right job opens up, like a perfect opportunity that you just like, I can't pass that up, you know, the money, the location, the school, whatever, then there's nothing you can do about that. But as long as he's not leaving for some like North Carolina State or South Carolina, you know, just some mm-hmm. random job that's just like, oh, it's just available. Like, I wouldn't worry about that because I think Arizona is showing that they can win in football. And I think the sport's been pretty good. I imagine Arizona's NIL is solid. Otherwise, they don't have the team that they do. So, but the more Arizona wins, the more you worry about that. That's just reality. So, thank you for those questions, yep. everyone. Of course, you can find us on social media on the Twitter machine at Wildcat Radio AZ. Obviously, you're listening to us. It's probably on Spotify or iTunes. Subscribe to us on both. Leave us a rating and review, especially on iTunes. If you leave us a review, we will read it on the air. But otherwise, Arizona, Utah, Saturday. Arizona men's basketball against Belmont Friday. Another game on Sunday. Whatever happens to Arizona Athletics, we'll talk about all next week. Until then, have a great weekend. Remember to bear down. Bear down.